0: Happy New Year, I think that's what she's trying to say right now. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Um, I hope you have uh, a joy like that in the New Year so far. Uh, so far, it's been a good uh, time uh, past few weeks for our family. Just got to spend a lot of time together, and it's really great to get to um, go into the New Year uh, Not just as a family, but with with all of us as a a church. Um, If you're in traveling, I just wanted to say that uh, it's really awesome to have you back uh, here uh, in our church and in town. I hope you get to recover uh, from all the traveling next few days as you um, transition back to uh, your work or and whatnot. Um, okay. uh, for those who are still coming back, uh, perhaps joining us through a live stream uh, or something like that, I pray that um, you all are uh, back here safely as well. Um, today and um, maybe next week as well, uh, we will uh, spend some time in the Book of Psalms Uh, I think my hope and prayer as we uh, start the new year uh, with this book uh, is that uh, we'll learn how to meet and uh, walk with God um, this new year and kind of start the year in the right direction Um, because psalms are really prayer books and um, even diaries and journals of the faithful from long ago. So I think it's always helpful when we get to spend time um, in, in these poems and you know, uh, psalms. So uh, may God enable us to do that as we study uh, this book. And today, uh, the text will be Psalm 27. So if you can turn uh, your attention to uh, this passage, whether on the screen or on your own uh, Bibles, and I'll read it for us, and then we'll jump right into uh, the time of the message. Psalm 27 uh, of David, the Lord, or Yahweh, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my advers- uh, adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I'll offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make, and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O oh Lord, when I cry, out, cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. For the Lord. There are three points, as usual, for us to follow along. Uh, Those are the reality of the battles, second, the confidence in the midst of the battles, and third, the hope for the battles. The title for this message is Facing the Battles of the New Year. First, the reality of the battles. Let's look at verse 1. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Um, here David is talking to himself, obviously, as if you know, he's about to face something that is supposed to stir fear in him. But he resolves to not fear because of who God is. And then the next few verses, he's going to give us a glimpse of the nature of these things that are uh, causing fear in him. So we look at the next two verses and we find out uh, what kind of uh, challenges he are up against with. Verse 2, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So David is facing you know, various challenges right now, and they sound pretty serious and brutal. I mean, look at the language here. Verse 2, I, we know it's, it's a metaphor, but it says there are people who are you know, there to eat up his flesh. You know, people who can inflict much pain in David's life. And verse three, we also see that there are armies and wars stacked up against me, against him. Uh, we're not sure at this point whether this is literal or figurative. Uh, but nonetheless, either way, he's again facing situations uh, that can be easily overwhelming. So, what do we learn here in these three verses? Uh, I think David is really picturing for us as we read his psalm, um, you know, what we as human beings may also experience in our own lives. Uh, what I mean is, you know, as we start the new year, 2023, you know, we may as well be about to face some hard challenges. Uh, that may sound maybe morbid and just too negative for the new year, but I think i like to think that I'm loving you by addressing what's true and real in our you know, day-to-day, day-to-day lives and, and in any year whenever we enter it. Uh, meaning, if you're a follower of Christ, you, know, you would know that You know, Jesus has indeed come on Christmas, um, you know, to uh, secure hope. In fact, he died and rose again on Easter to secure our hope through his work on the cross and resurrection. But he has yet to come back to consummate all of his promises. Meaning, right now is an in between time where, you know, we are faced with life and the world that are no heaven right now, but they are filled with stress, sorrow, and suffering. And even with that, even in addition to that, uh, Satan is breathing out like a lion in our lives, and there are some tough you know, spiritual battles on top of physical battles. So, just like David said, we are at war, you know, day by day, you know, in varying degrees. So, as we study this, these two, a few verses here in this Psalm, um, we are to take, or, or rather start our new year uh, by acknowledging the, the reality, as opposed to perhaps being naive and, um, you know, being swept up when. Things happen out of nowhere, and you know we are taken aback. Oh no, my life is not supposed to be like this. But guess what? We are supposed to be facing challenges that David uh, describes in this uh, song. Life is hard. That's what it is. Um, let's try to play this clip. See if uh, it'll work out. If not, it's fine too. But I know the Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. It's up there. The context of this movie, the scene is this. So it's from a movie called Rocky Balboa. And that's Rocky. And uh, the other person is his son, Robert. And uh, before this scene, Robert is, you know, blaming his father for some of the challenges he's facing in his life. Um, And Rocky is now talking to his son uh, to really, you know, speak some sense into him. And uh, let me just read some of the words that um, we just heard. Uh, It says, Uh, The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It is a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. uh, It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. I think what's helpful about the scene and the words of the scene is that, you know, our life should not be about, you know, avoiding and denying problems. Some people do that. I think we all probably do that to some degrees in our lives. And I do want to make a disclaimer that there is wisdom for sure uh, in, you know, not being uh, reckless, um, but, you know, keep away from some unnecessary problem. We don't have to, you know, intentionally go into problems for sure. But we are living in a broken world where, uh, you know, evil and problems are, uh, you know, it's, it's bound to happen. And in that reality, if our love is all about, you know, avoiding any hardship and rather blame other people when the problems come to us, then we will always live in fear, right? And we will always, uh, again, blame other people, and we won't progress much. So rather, in that reality of life, what we are to do, that we have to expect hits from life, like he says, and accept these hits fearlessly and keep moving forward. But I think the analogy kind of stops there because this movie is more about moral story but I want to argue from the scripture that there's more to it the question now that we have to ask is you know how do we stay then fearless in these moments of hits you know how do we stay confident like David says how can you do that when life you know goes out of spin and that may happen even next hour in the new year And David will share with us how in the rest of this song. So let's keep going. The second point, the confidence in the midst of the battles. Verse 4, it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So what do we do when, again, life hits, battles rage, and when we tend to freak out and try to find any and every solution uh, out there? But David surprisingly says there's only one thing you have to focus on. Don't be so spread thin. But one, there's only one thing that you really need to put your focus on, and that is to personally enjoy god's goodness in his constant presence so let's try to understand this, this verse together uh, the word dwell there can be translated sit what that means is you know david is not talking to god in passing it's like oh hello god and then move on no rather he is here to stay he is here to be fixed upon god in an unhindered undistracted fashion that's the attitude here, and the words there. The beauty of the Lord uh, can be translated in other places as favor or pleasure. What that means is, uh, within the relationship between God and His people, there is favor from God, favor from God, and there is a pleasure and joy in response. So, the beauty of the Lord uh, therefore means that it's the expression of God's, you know perfect, glorious character, beauty, uh, especially uh, shown in his goodness and favor towards his covenant people. That would, in turn, make them joyful. Let me repeat that. The beauty means the expression of God's glorious, perfect character, especially exemplified in his goodness towards his specific covenant people, Christ followers, that would in turn make them joyful in response. It's a picture of sweet fellowship or intimate relationship between God and his people. And then lastly, the word inquire likely means to seek God's will in the specific situations of life. So in the midst of troubles, David is saying that he is to seek to be with God, to savor uh, his god's special love for him and do what would please god in his life and that's what would keep him confident in his life in, during the time of trouble and we'll see why in a moment um, but in verses five and six we see something more substantial uh, there we find out that uh, this beauty and goodness that david experiences about god is not just cerebral it's real. So let's look at that. Verse 5 and 6, it says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I'll offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Uh, meaning that God, he trusts that God will keep him safe, verse 5. And further, verse 6, God will make David victorious over his enemies to the point that he will respond in, you know, thanksgiving and praise because of God's goodness towards him. And what he's saying is because God's goodness and faithfulness to David is so real. It's not just, again, conceptual that you sing about in your songs. Oh, God is beautiful, but but what about it? But it's real. It's a real thing that can happen in in our lives too. And therefore, again, back to verse 4, David is saying, because this is real, I will continue to pursue God in my trouble because he will protect me for real. He will be faithful, therefore I will seek God's face all this my life because it will indeed protect me. So therefore, the key, again, let's apply it, the key in staying confident in our own troubles and hits of life is our constant communion with God through which we will grow convinced that God's goodness is real. He's not just saying things just because I'll protect you, but he will. So we continue to see God's goodness in our lives. Uh, Before we move on here, uh, I'd like to take a moment to explain um, something theological and yet very uh, profound. So please follow with me. Um, at David's time, you know, we see that he went to temple, tabernacle, or house of God uh, to meet with God and commune with God. And that was true at the time, right? There was real tabernacle where people went to, um, to meet with God. And the question for us living in 21st century is, how do we do that? How do we meet with God? How do we commune with God? Is there a place for that? I would argue the reality is that we have something greater than David. So follow with me in John 2, 18 through 22, where it says, So the Jews said to him, Jesus, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that, the, that Jesus had spoken. You see, temple was a meeting place between God and humanity. It's a place where people had to sacrifice animals. Why? Because before the holy God, nobody can approach Him. There has to be atonement. So there's an animal sacrifice that God provided for people, and yet, you know, we would know that this is—it would be impossible for animals to perfectly atone for the sins of people. There's no way. And furthermore. Uh, if you study through history, in 70 AD, the, the Jerusalem temple was destroyed by Romans. So what do we do? Here's the, here's the cool part, or rather the truth that we have to hold on to. Jesus has come instead and died as the perfect sacrifice completely atoning for our sins, the, the thing that the animal animals couldn't do. And therefore, the Bible says, those who have faith in Christ, you know, their sins are completely atoned for, and they now stand before God justified, completely righteous. Meaning, for Christ's followers, Jesus is the temple now. He is the meeting place. In that, in him, we have unhindered communion with God. In fact, the New Testament calls two places temple. One is our individual body. Second is the church. Meaning, Jesus now dwells in individual believer and also the corporate body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is there, Now, we're the temple. Now, without having to enter a physical temple, we can meet with God individually, if you have faith in Christ, wherever, whether Minnesota or Florida, Florida sounds nice right now, but wherever you are, you can meet with God. But also, when we gather as a church, there's a special sense that God dwells with us. And this is a meeting place between God and us. Uh, And just to clarify, I'm not talking about the building. This is not the temple. The Bible says the people is the temple. This is where we get to see and enjoy God's beauty and goodness, you see. So God has provided us the perfect means to seek his beauty and goodness. That's what, he, that's what I'm trying to say here. And again, as we anticipate the, the battles of life in the new year, therefore we must resolve to sit before God individually and as a corporate church uh, in Jesus in order to be assured of his goodness towards us so that when we face problems, we'll be like, God got this. I'm assured of His goodness towards me. He'll protect me. It's real. We can be confident, like David. Uh, last summer, let me try to illustrate this way. Last summer, uh, oh, okay. I was like, what well, just happened? <laughs> uh, last summer, uh, my family and I uh, visited the East Coast uh, for a few weeks. Um, and uh, one of the places that we visited was this one beach in the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, until that trip, uh, my son Seth had not gone into any uh, outdoor water body yet. Uh, but this time, you know, Dave and I really wanted him to experience this. Cause, you know, I mean, uh, I think uh, he would enjoy, we thought he would enjoy swimming and also, also the nature. Um, and, you know, Obviously, being being a small kid, he resisted. He didn't want to go in. He was scared, uh, but you know, I, I assured to him over and over that, "Hey Seth, I'll be with you. I'll I'll hold on to you. I'll I'll protect you. So let's let's go. Let's let's try it." So I did that for like good ten minutes, and he finally gave in. So next picture. Uh, so we we go in to the water, and. Uh, uh, so i held him in my arms like that the whole time and uh you know little by little we went deeper right so at that point i'm like the water's up to my uh, waist and then um next thing you know we the, the water was up to my chest so seth started feeling the water uh, you know on his feet and his legs and at that point you, know, you can imagine he was kind of shaking a little bit it's like oh scary um, but I kept telling him, like, hey, I told you, I- I'm with you. I- I'm holding on to you like this right now. You feel it, right? You're fine. You're fine. Um, and then we went further and further until the water was up to my shoulder uh, and-, and also up to Seth's shoulder. So it's kind of like up to, yeah, like, this high. So, uh, again, he was getting scared. He was kind of shaking out a little bit. But I kept telling him, I'm still with you. It's okay. I'm, I'm holding you right now. And I'm happy to tell you that although he was scared at this point, but like next uh, 10 minutes or so, he was definitely getting used to the water and he was feeling a lot more comfortable and he was having a lot of fun uh, because you know, he, he really saw that you know, I was holding him the whole time. And after we got out of the water, and then, you know, we're just resting a little bit at the beach, and I, I, I tell you that he was so excited about the water now, so he, like, made me go in three more times. I was exhausted by, by the end of our time here. Uh, what I'm trying to say here is that, um, you know, what happened, like, the accomplishment of, you know, the Twitter world at the time um, being comfortable with water, even to the point of his shoulder, uh, was not the product of my instruction on the day of. I mean, I did tell him, like, hey, I'm with you, right? I, I told him, but it wasn't that, although it probably contributed a little bit. Uh, but what really contributed to that accomplishment is all the countless hours that I spent with them. Uh, the Past two hours, uh, two years, <laughs> uh, between you know father and son, you know we had a lot of you know bonding moments where you know he knew that I was good to him, that I would not you know um, just let him go in the water, that I would not put him in harm's way, that I will be always protecting him, and because he knew that about me and who I am to him. Uh, he was able to finally you know, overcome that fear and actually enjoy the water like I wanted him to. So that's what's happening in this passage and in our lives too. You know, David was able to stay confident. Is that because the small scripture passage that he read that morning of? Maybe. But I'll argue that he was confident or he's able to be confident in any struggle because... For years before, he stayed with God. (laughs) He got to know God through those times of uh, communion. And he grew convinced that God will not let him go, that God will hold him tight in the water and waves of life. That's why he could stay confident. The same recipe applies to us as we enter into new year again. There will be challenges. Some challenges may be more painful than others. How do we confident? How we how do we stay fearless? By communing with God, growing convinced, convicted that He is good to me. He will not let me go. He will hold me tight in the depth of waters of life. He will be protecting me, and that's real. It's not a cerebral thing. It's a real thing, and I trust Him. That does not happen overnight. It happens years of sitting before God and gazing upon His beauty day by day. Let us do that this year, individually and as a church, together. I urge you, and I, I plead with you, and third, and last, the hope for the battles. And now, uh, just for the next few minutes, I'm, we're just going to apply and, or even see how David applies this principle of um, confidence in God in his real life. And, and perhaps we will get to relate to him. So let's go to uh, verses 7 through 12. Let me just read it for us and let's see how David is dealing with his life. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I hope you feel how David is dealing with his life right now. Like, to me, I was... Confused when I was translating this, this these verses from Hebrew to English, I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" It's like going back and forth. Meaning, in verse eight, he sounds confident, right? It's like, "I'll seek your face. I got this, God. I'll seek you. I'll gaze upon your beauty. I'll do that." The next verse, he goes, "Hide not your face from me. Don't leave me. Cast me not out of For those are." synonyms do not leave me that's what he's trying to say do not leave me don't leave me alone here he sounds desperate and then um you know in in verse 10 he's confident again he's like my parents may leave me but god will take me in i got this but then verse 12 god don't leave me here don't cast me off to my enemies what is happening here? What what's going on? Why is this so going back and forth? I would argue that he's being very very normal human being because we're like that. You know, in one minute, you know, we might be super confident, feeling like we can do anything for God, we got this. But next next minute, somebody might email us or text us, and we feel like all hope is gone. We're like that. And David is being very real, and we relate to him. But what we see then in, in these verses is that it is not David's faith that gets him through life. It's not his confidence that gets him through his challenges. It is God, by his grace, who sustains his people through their dwindling faith. Meaning, it is not our power, ultimately. It is God's power that will sustain us to the end in the hits of life. But even so, uh, last two verses, we see that there's an essence of faith that will not uh, be uh, you know, ignored. Meaning, after we come to our senses, after going back and forth between strength and weakness, um, the, the true believers have this essence of faith in their hearts, and this is what it is. Verses 13 and 14, it says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage Wait for the Lord. Meaning, again, after you know, going back and forth between, oh man, I- I'm-, I'm doing great, but oh no, I'm-, I'm not doing great. But the bottom of your heart as a believer will say in the end, by God's grace, I do believe that God will protect me and I will look upon God's goodness towards me and I will live. I believe that either in this life or even in the next, I will live. I'll be victorious. And therefore, in the meantime, soul or to one another in church, be strong. Take courage. Do not lose heart. Wait for the Lord's ultimate deliverance. Keep fighting the Lord's battle. Keep fighting. That is human life. That is the, the life of Christ followers. With that base line of faith, we go through ups and downs, but God sustains us through it all. Um, I'll end with uh, you know, going back to the story that I shared with you about uh, me and Seth at the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, so he's not here right now, right? Okay, so I can Talk about oh he's here okay all right. don't tell him okay um, so he was great you know he was like being brave and you know he was like having fun in the water but his faith in me fluctuated how could he there are times when he was like freaking out I was like hey Seth I'm holding you it was like nah, 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 get me out get me out so there are times like that. But do you think that when I saw the lack of faith that he had in me, that I would have just dropped him? It's like, Come, man, I, I, I'm just like showing you how, how powerful I am, but you're not trusting in me? What is, what is this? No, <laughs> I would never do that, right? I mean, it's Chesapeake Bay. It's, I don't want him to, you know, suffer in any way. I held on to him all throughout. You know, without any mistake, I held him, held on to me. Uh, he, I held on to him, like with my life. I, I was so focused on him all throughout because I did not want to lose him. It doesn't matter how much faith he had in me. It doesn't matter how he was pleasing me with uh, his confidence in me. What mattered was that he was my son. It was my job to protect him and go back to verse uh, 10 Uh, there he's comparing his parents and the lord i think what he's trying to say i don't think he's trying to say that his parents actually abandoned him i think he's trying to make a comparison there meaning the best of human parents love cannot be compared to the love of the lord if the parents you know though imperfect they are, if they will hold on to their children, no matter how much they hurt them, how much more God will never fail them. Our parents for sure fail us, but God will never fail us. In fact, if we see any glimpse of perfect love in our parents, God is a million times more. He's a perfect love and parent will never let us go regardless of the state of our faith. And that is our hope. That is what we are to believe in as we enter through the new year. Uh, Let me finish with this verse and um, we'll go into our prayer time but um, just hear what Jude is saying in in these two verses. This is God's heart for us as we are about to face challenges and also ups and downs of our faith this year. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He will not let you go. So with that ingrained in our hearts, we keep fighting, being confident in any trouble this year. Let's pray together. spend some time together um, uh, I think honestly I didn't uh, intend to um, perhaps start a new year um, w- with that uh, first point you know um, when I uh, felt convicted about this passage um, to preach today uh, it wasn't my intention to uh, start by saying, "Hey, you know, we got to know that there are challenges in life, in our lives. You know, it's not all sunshine and roses and rainbows." Um, but I think the more I started this passage, I, I realized that's, I believe, what the the word is saying. Um, and I think it's true that um, many of us, me included. Uh, can tend to try to avoid or even deny uh, the the harsh of life. In fact, we're just so consumed with uh, avoiding, uh, you know, problems at all cost. You know, we gotta be perfect. We gotta plan well, and we gotta make sure that we don't get into any trouble. Everything has to work out according to our plan. Again, there's wisdom in that. Um, we, we have to plan. Uh, but in this broken world, uh, we are bound to face many challenges, and this new year is not an exception. I mean, gosh, like past few years have been just so challenging, right, with the pandemic and everything. But hey, life still goes on, and it's another year and there will still be different challenges. You know, instead of being surprised by those things or instead of being paralyzed by those, those things, I think what God is calling us to do, uh, His people, is that you know, we learn to take heart. You know, not, not, with, not with the pep talk, uh, but we saw that it comes from Our deep root with the Lord. That we know from all the countless times that we, you know, spend time with Him in our devotional times daily and on Sundays and, you know, life group discussions. So we know in the deep depth of our hearts that He is good to me. If there's anything challenging happening in my life, it's not because He hates me, but because out of His goodness, He wants something from me for the goal of uh, genuine growth in Christ. He is good and sovereign. So let's uh, spend some time together in prayer before we um, finish with the song. Um, So let's recalibrate, therefore, our minds. Let's ask God to help us to Look at different, you know, issues and hiccups and problems in my life right now, and ask God to help us um, to, you know, look at them with the eyes of faith uh, through the lens of God's sovereignty and His goodness. Could we do that just for a few minutes uh, before we uh, finish with the song and respond? worship and gaze upon his beauty in this place called temple of Jesus Christ let's pray